Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. My plan was to talk about Joe Biden and this really bad press conference and some of the insanity in that press conference, including him saying that uh, just in case you're curious, he's running in 2024. You put Vice President Harris in charge of voting rights. Are you satisfied with her work on this issue? And can you guarantee, do you commit that she will be your running mate in 2024, provided that you run again? Yes and yes. Okay. You don't care to expand? Pardon me? Do you care to expand? No, there's no need to. I mean, I asked the question. She's going to be my running mate, number one. And number two, I did put her in charge. I think she's doing a good job. Well, you're the only one who thinks she's doing a good job. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you on Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, 833-468-8669, 833-GOT-TONY. That's the number. Would love to hear from you. I wanted to talk about how Robert Reich, former labor secretary under Bill Clinton, and now a pseudo-intellectual, said of the vote that took place trying to do away with the filibuster that failed epically. Tonight, Republican senators lined up to shake Kirsten Sinema's hand. Democratic senators should have given her the back of their hands. That is a white male suggesting violence against women. My gosh, you get fired for that stuff. So we're clear, if I said it, I'd be fired from my job. I would be fired from my job. He said it, he's going to keep his gig at Berkeley. He'll get invited to speak at Berkeley. And I really thought this was going to be the things that I start weaving through and discussing him. And that all just went to hell in a handbasket. Because I can't trust the FBI anymore. Not only do I not trust the FBI leadership, which I think was an obvious one, to the guys, the men and the women who work in the field, who I've met some, and I know some listen to this show. Sorry. Sorry, you're out. What do you do when you can no longer trust the institutions? It is one thing to say you didn't give us the full story. It is another thing to say that you lied, that you made it up, that you kept information from us purposefully, willfully, wantonly. Just who exactly do you think you are? And what makes you think you deserve my love? My respect. What am I talking about? I'm talking about what took place at the synagogue in Dallas, Texas. We were told it was a guy who's a British national who held four people hostage. We were told it had nothing to do with anti-Semitism. 
But what we learned was this British national was a man by the name of Malik Faisal Akram, who was on watch lists in the United Kingdom. Two other people were arrested in the UK in connection with this. He was trying to get a woman who's referred to as Lady Al-Qaeda out of jail. She was convicted of trying to kill members of the U.S. military. She working with Al-Qaeda. She educated here in the United States and trying to help them develop bombs and dirty bombs and other technology. She, somebody who was an, uh, uh, engaged in anti-Semitism, absolutely decried the existence of Israel. And we were told it had no connection, that it happened to take place at a synagogue in Coleyville, Texas, or is it pronounced Colleyville, that demanding the release of Afia Siddiqui She is the one serving the 86-year prison sentence for multiple felonies, wanting her out of jail. There was no connection. Stop it. And you could have been left with the belief that it ends there. But it doesn't end there. The Jerusalem Post reporting that this guy... Malik Faisal Akram, this radical Islamic terrorist, and if you're upset with me for saying so, I'm right here. You got no problem saying white supremacist, but you got an issue saying radical Islamic terrorist? That's your issue. I don't have an issue saying either one, so I'm going to say it as is. This guy announced very clearly that he was opening the door for attacks on the United States. This was a recording of the call with his brother. I'm opening the doors for every youngster to enter America and blank with them. This was just part of the recording. I've told them I'll release these four guys. I'll come on the yard. I'll have a toe-to-toe with you. Shoot me dead, shoot her, meaning this this lady Al-Qaeda, Siddiqui dead, because I'm dead and she's dead. She's got 84 more years, right? Continues. They come to our blanking countries, meaning Americans. They come into our blanking countries, rape our women, and blank our kids, and we can't come in their countries and blank with them? I'm setting the precedent today. You're not going to get away with it anymore. Even if they don't release uh, Siddiqui, who gives a blank? He continues. I'm in a synagogue. I've got four beautiful guys, Jewish guys with me. I'm bombed up. I've got blanking every ammunition. I've only been here two weeks and I've got them all at gunpoint. They let James Foley die and they didn't release her. But guess what? Maybe they'll have compassion for blanking Jews. Any Jew that goes to synagogue not fully armed is out of their damn mind. And any rabbi who doesn't believe in being armed in synagogue and having armed parishioners and actively engages against it should be fired on the spot. Quit that synagogue. You think this is the only guy? Allow me to ask the question this way. Do you really think it's a one-off? I mean, do you honestly believe that this is a one of, oh, this is just one guy. Not everybody else is coming for us. I, 
I, I'm debating with myself exactly how far I want to go here. Because trust me when I say, I want to let loose the dogs of war. These are supposed to be, wait for it, my people. As my father would say, I thought Jews were supposed to be the smart ones. And this conversation hits people like, wait, is Tony, is he allowed to say that? Can you do this? You know by now that I don't play any of those games. I have conversations as I see fit about the topics at hand, and I worry not whether there is offense to them. Everything I say, I can back up. And it is sometimes in these moments, regardless of the anger, I take a moment to check myself, to see where I want to be, to see how I want to progress. Am I getting to a point of no return where I may, through anger, say something that was not what was really going to be helpful, but sure as bloody heck could hurt me? Well, let me start with a basic. If you have a rabbi who doesn't believe in being armed in synagogue on a Friday night or a Saturday or any time, that is not a rabbi worth having. Fire them or quit. They aren't doing any good for Jews. They're putting Jews in harm's way. We had a conversation with Rabbi Ben Sendro, who happens to be my rabbi of Indianapolis. Great guy. Talking about the importance of hardening targets. We may not like it, but it is a reality. We have to be able to be safe, and you have to be able to deal with the threats, and maybe more armed guards is it. Now, I may think that the parishioner, the congregant, the flock needs to be armed. But having a conversation about armed guards isn't the worst idea in the world. I could be down with that. Maybe that satisfies a lot of people. Maybe it satisfies more people than I realize. Fine by me. I'm still showing up ready to go. My job is to go home to my family. My job is to make sure my family comes with me. Who believes? Well, I mean, that's, that in and of itself is a question, but let's take the people who do believe. Amongst those who believe, who believes that God wants you to go to church Sunday and not come home? Who believes, who goes to their mosque that God wants you to pray this evening and not come home. What Jew believes that God wants you to go to services Saturday morning and not come home? You show me the people who believe in such a thing and I'll show you people who are not worth knowing. I will show you people who are not worthy of your time and certainly have never once started to understand what it is they actually believe in. There may be people who believe that the afterlife is the better life, that their reward comes in heaven. But at all costs... Your reward comes in heaven, so you should not be prepared to defend yourself in your church today? That, kids, is a messed up view. That's a level of radicalism that I'm going to have to say no thank you to. On a very personal level, 
I am convinced that that is not what God wants from me. And said differently, I'm convinced I don't want it even if God does. That's a fight we're going to have to have when I get to heaven. And he's going to have to say to me, well, you know, Tony, I wanted you to die in that shooting. And I'm going to say to him, yeah, but I had kids to take care of. So your needs weren't that important. And oh, it's going to be a fight. And there's going to be people very offended. But what I say about what I say here, right here, right now, and my answer to them is that's okay. Be offended. I'm going home alive and I'm going home to my family alive and I'm bringing them with me alive. Because I don't believe that's what God actually wants. And I would have no way of comprehending the person who believes it true. I've come to die, said this terrorist. I promised my brother that when I watched him on that deathbed that I will go down as a martyr. I'll let no mother blanker suppress me. I'm opening the doors to Every blanking youngster in England to know, live your blanking life, bro. You blanking coward. We're coming to blanking America. We'll give them blanking war. Allow me to ask, what rabbi, what imam, what pastor or priest or faith leader doesn't understand this? How many more ways must you be told That you want to sit in your synagogue and, oh, guns, oh, we don't need those clutching your pearls. What luxury you have. Sorry, I called it luxury. I'm, I'm sorry, that was the wrong word. I apologize. What ignorance you have. That you are sitting there clutching your pearls means nothing to the person who is at war with you. And they are at war with you. Your rabbi may tell you that you should love your neighbor. I'm not saying you shouldn't, but you better recognize that some of your neighbors are at war with you and radical Islamic terrorists are at war with you. And that doesn't mean that you take every Muslim, you know, and not be good to them, not be kind to them, not be decent to them. It means you prepare yourself for the moment when the moment comes, because the moment can come any Friday night or any Saturday or any random Tuesday afternoon. I have a very clear answer for the people who are at war with me. I know. That's my answer. I know. And I've come heavy. I'm ready. I may not win my specific fight, but if I can get more people ready, I can win the war. But it's a very hard thing to do when there are too many of, quote-unquote, my people who want to be offended by the idea of bringing a gun to synagogue. The offensive thing is you're willing to die at the hands of these people who have already told you you're the enemy. You ever notice that when somebody's engaged in a terrorist plot, then I don't ask, oh, by the way, are, are you a Democrat? Did you vote for Biden? If you vote for Biden, you're fine. You live. You, you, you live. I'm just going to blow up everybody else. I'm just going to run over everybody else. I'm just going to shoot everybody else. I'm just going to take everybody else as a hostage. When they're driving their car down the street, running people over in Nice, France, or in Berlin, or in New York, they don't say, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Are you Catholic? 
Oh, you're Catholic. Okay, you, you, you can get out of the way. I, I, I just want the Hebrews. Uh, the people with the funny hats on their heads. I just want them. Boom, bam, bing. That never happens. Because that's not how they work. That's not how radical Islamic terrorists work. That's not how terrorists work. Because you donate to some democratic cause, because you don't think people should have guns and you want to get rid of the Second Amendment, you, you, you think what? That the bad guy doesn't want you dead? Let me ask this in a language that we both understand. What kind of schmuck are you? And the answer is, you're a pretty big schmuck. I don't think you should be that way. I think you should know who the enemy is. But why this is coming out now, why we weren't given a full, complete story from the FBI, why it was clear that they were covering things up from the beginning, that's the part that I will not forgive and I will not forget. So no, getting my respect is going to be a lot harder thing to do. FBI agents who, in the sound of my voice, better demands better from their organization because their organization is letting all of us down. How the hell did this guy get on a plane? But knowing that the war is here, and then there's more than this guy out there, anybody who shows up to their house of worship not prepared to go home alive is making an unbelievable mistake that is going to get people killed. I'm Tony Katz. So Starbucks, noting that the Supreme Court made a decision on vaccine mandates for employers with 100 more people saying, no, uh, the Department of Labor via OSHA doesn't have this ability. They said, "Okay, we are no longer going to require our people to get vaccinated. And this has led people to want to boycott Starbucks. Well, those people are on the political left, on the political right, it has people going to Starbucks for the first time. Me? Only going when I have to, because it's not good coffee. Indianapolis, Indiana, the amount of good coffee roasters is out of control. Local people, why would I ever, when, uh, when, when, when 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 I'm traveling, when I'm on the road... I'm at a convention and there, you know, there's a Starbucks in the hotel. Yeah, sure. I do what I do. You do what you have to, to survive. But it's not going to get me to drink their coffee. It's just the right move, but they never should have gone along with the idea of a mandate to begin with. They should have said, hey, this is wrong. That's what they should have done. Meanwhile, President Biden, he's okay with minor incursions into Ukraine from Russia. What does that mean? Retired Major Mike Lyons breaks it down next. I'm Tony Katz. Minor incursion. For everything President Biden said yesterday in this press conference about voting rights and about the economy, and nothing could be more sickening and twisted and, dear Lord, what kind of leadership is this than this right here? Russia will be held accountable if it invades. And it depends on what it does. It's one thing. Sorry, I'm having a little tech issue. It's one thing if it's a minor incursion. 
It's another thing if they go big. A minor incursion? It's one thing if it's a minor incursion and then we end up having a fight about what to do and not do, etc. Now, privately, maybe there are conversations that have, that have happened and do happen in higher up circles. Okay, if they do this, we're not going to do that. We'll do something over here. We'll do something over here. But if you do that, then we got to respond here, there, and everywhere. To say it out loud? To say it out loud is so criminally insane as to be believed. And as got reported... Yesterday, Ukrainian officials are out of their heads about it. We've spoken exclusively with Ukrainian official about Biden's comments. What did they tell you? Well, I mean, to say, Erin, that they were displeased when they heard those comments would be an understatement. One of the officials that I spoke to said that he was shocked when he heard President Biden draw a distinction between an incursion and an invasion and to suggest that if there was some kind of minor, rather, incursion into Ukrainian territory, uh, then that would be treated differently and elicit lesser sanctions than a, a major invasion. We don't even know if it would be lesser sanctions or whether it'd be a lack of caring, but that's not the part that matters. This was the president of the United States saying, hey, you can do a, you can invade a little and we're cool with it. The Ukrainian president, Zelensky, putting out a tweet, we want to remind the great powers that there are no minor incursions in small nations, just as there are no minor casualties and little grief from the loss of loved ones. I say this as the president of a great power. Tony Katz, great to be with you. Tony Katz today. Major Mike Lyons joins us right now. West Point graduate, retired U.S. military uh, military analyst. Uh, you've heard him all across the country. Look, uh, you and I have had many a conversation about what's going on with Russia, what's going on with Ukraine, and certainly we have talked at length about what Joe Biden has done to the United States and U.S. credibility when you take a look at the withdrawal uh, from Afghanistan and leaving Americans behind to die. I think that may pale in comparison, which is, sounds horrible, and I'm not trying to be flip or glib. It may pale in comparison to telling Ukraine and Taiwan we're okay with small incursions. Tony, I can't disagree with you on any level. And I was shocked when he said it yesterday. I I don't know if that's even the word shocked. You know, the the whole thing just was one disaster after another. But, you know, just from a straight military perspective, when he opens a door like that, um, you you can't put that back in the bottle. And, uh, you know, all these cleanup on aisle five comments that people are making today about what he said and and the White House spokesman comes out and said it's it's all nonsense. I mean, Vladimir Putin heard it, our enemies heard it, and the president of Ukraine heard it, and it was all there. And it's as a president that was part of the situation back in 2014 when that's exactly what happened. The minor incursion into Crimea was really met with nothing. Um, so they've already done that minor incursion game or once already. Um, and so th- this is his frame of reference. Um, this is a failure of strategy of, of pretty large proportions that's taken place probably over the past 10 to 15 years. Uh, you know, if I went back to you 15 years ago and asked you anything about Ukraine, if they're an ally of ours, we wouldn't even know. We wouldn't really kind of say anything. And uh, now we look to the to the point where you've got some congressmen and, and senators that think we're going to deploy 20,000 troops there or something. So uh, it's a mess. But as I look at the situation on the ground, though, they're rolling. They're rolling tanks as soon as the weather gets a little bit colder and the ground freezes a little bit more. They've taken this, these positions up in Belarus and to the north. That's going to be like an, a hammer and an anvil type situation from a military perspective. And it's going to be no minor incursion when it, when it finally goes down.
President Biden tried to walk back the statement. I don't know if you've heard this yet. I want to play it for everybody, and then we'll get your thoughts on it, talking to Major Mike Lyons, retired U.S. Army. Uh, Listen to this. Uh, I've been absolutely clear with President Putin. He has no misunderstanding. If any, any assembled Russian units move across the Ukrainian border, that is an invasion. But it will be met with severe and coordinated economic response that I've discussed in detail with our allies, as well as laid out very clearly for President Putin. But there is no doubt, let there be no doubt at all, that if Putin makes this choice, Russia will pay a heavy price. There's also not the only scenario we need to be prepared for. Russia has a long history of using measures other than overt military action to carry out aggression. And paramilitary tactics, so-called gray zone attacks, as, and actions by Russian soldiers not wearing Russian uniforms. Remember when they moved into the Donbass, the little green men? They weren't. They, they were dealing with uh, um, those uh, who were Russian sympathizers and uh, said that Russia had no nobody in there. Well, that includes little green men in uniforms as well as cyber attacks. We've, we have to be ready to respond to these as well in a decisive and united way with a range of tools at our disposal. So there he is saying, if they do this, they're going to pay the price. We're going to exact the toll. We have tools at our disposal. You know Vladimir Putin? This move him at all? Or has he already heard with everything he needs to hear when he heard small incursions? No problem. Yeah, I think he heard small incursions. I think he does expect there will be some repercussions from the United States, but I think he's looking at the NATO um, uh, kind of stable and, and, and sees that the, the, the countries of NATO are not together on this. Um, really, the only country right now that's doing anything is sending, um, I, I believe, uh, let's say, combat-related equipment is the U.K. Um, I, I saw something about them uh, making sure that they're going to continue to support Ukraine, and it's been done unilaterally. We're, we're still not doing that. We were still, we're still in the blanket mode we're still in the you know radio mode we're still not we still haven't sent anything of of um of any significance there we talk a good game send you know money we send some money again it doesn't do anything because all, all they're going to do is allow them to buy um equipment from other countries now the united states did release did allow other nato countries to them to resell equipment we've sold to them to ukraine but again it's all it's too late we're, we're literally at almost the you know it's eleven fifty nine fifty nine of a battle that's going to start very shortly and there's you know you're just not going to be able to land 200 battle tanks in that region and to have it make a difference for for the ukraine military at this well point. let's get so into the, the battle for just a second ahead. yeah well ahead. let's get into the battle talking to major mike lyons retired uh u.s army uh radio analyst military radio analyst the, the battle itself, mm-hmm. where is Europe in this battle? Where is the whole of NATO in this battle? I understand where is America in these conversations. Where are they in this conversation? Nowhere, and it's because they really don't have a stomach for it. It's it's there's we don't have any troops anywhere near this area. Number one, and from NATO's perspective, um, they're just really not interested. They're still talking like there's going to be diplomacy. I guess there's going to be more talks tomorrow. Now is what I understand, but from a, from a straight military perspective, which is what he understands, um, there's nothing there. Now we can sit there and try to claim. 
that we're going to put a no-fly zone. That's the that's the old, that's the thing you know that we just throw around like we can go to Amazon and order one of those things. Like put a no-fly zone in there. Well, that's an act of war because for us to put a no-fly zone in there, we're going to have to go in there with our airplanes and take out all their anti air defense and missiles and platforms and the like, and that could escalate things you know all very quickly. So. The Germans aren't interested in this. I think um, the Germans still want the pipeline to go because they, they've sold out in their energy. They have no other choice. They've, they've outsourced their energy to the Russians. And it's somewhat a fait accompli. And what, what, what Vladimir Putin is doing, he's proving that NATO is very fractured, not together. Um, it, you know, Joe Biden was supposed to save NATO. He was the one after, you know, mean guy Donald Trump came in and made NATO, uh, tried to get them to, to, to at least pony up to what they were supposed to pay for their own defenses. And now he, Putin also knows he's got only a year to do this because once the Republicans are back in power anyway, he knows that that, that wouldn't stand, that wouldn't go very long. Now let's take a, a, a step back, go back to what it is that President Biden said. Depends on what it is. I made the assumption you heard it in my intro there mm-hmm. that it's very possible behind closed doors in 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 the. Uh, you know, uh, in, in in the rooms there, in the intelligence rooms. Uh, okay, if Russia does this, then we do that. But if they do this, we do this. But if they do this, we do this, right? You have different stages, different ideas, different strategies. What President Biden did was announce his strategy. The commander-in-chief announcing his strategy has got to be not only incredibly dangerous, but massively demoralizing. What is the military take on what it is he said in the press conference yesterday. Yeah, I think from the military's perspective is uh, trying to come up with some kind of options that that he could possibly put them on the table, but none of them are going to matter. They won't matter for the difference on the ground for the Ukraines. Um, We can provide possibly some levels of intelligence, but the kind of invasion that we see in the planning here is going to swallow Ukraine. It's not going to – it won't be this – it'll happen very quickly and it'll swallow it up very, very whole, so to speak, um, cut the Internet off, all those things. So Ukraine's going to be very quickly isolated from its former allies, so to speak, um, very quickly, based on what I see on the ground and what the military is preparing for. So the, the military solutions now at this point have got to be either escalation, which I don't think we'll do, or just um, w- worry about our allies like Poland, uh, Romania, other other countries that there could be refugee spillover or, or in the like. But again, Belarus creates that problem for Poland every day anyway. Before I, before I let you go, when we talk about what this is going to look like, because when I talk to you, Right. Uh, you get rather, rather fatalistic on this. This is happening. Nothing's going to stop it. It's done. Uh, and uh, we, we, we spoke about uh, the putting of troops and the working with with Belarus and, and utilizing that as a place to as a way of accessing uh, parts of Ukraine and, and getting to Kiev uh, maybe faster or maybe making it a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Give me the idea of life after Russia takes this part of Ukraine. So um, they're going to have to try to win hearts and minds in the region and uh, mostly in the northern part of there, uh, most of the northern part of the country. Um, likely you'll see troops in Kiev and you'll see, um, you know, new leadership. You're going to see kind of, you know, the typical things that we see happen when one country gets invaded by another. We just haven't seen it in a long time. It's just, you know, it's part of our history. And, and, and the reason why I'm fatalistic about it is because you don't bring 100,000 troops to the border and, and, and not do something with it. And you can look in history and say that's really what happens every time. Go back to 
Middle East, go back to uh, World War II and, and all these different places. So, again, um, I think it happens quickly. I think the sanctions that we're going to impose will take some time if they even hurt Russia. And Russia knows that the, that it's a they're going to go against the clock in order to try to get out in front of those. Um, the question is whether how many casualties take place. You know, there's tremendous amount of military hardware, MLRS, rockets, planes. If they put up any kind of a fight whatsoever, there's going to be tremendous amount of casualties here. So I think that's what the world's going to have to be prepared for. Um, but I think you're going to see it kind of close ranks very quickly to try to swallow up Ukraine and not uh, and not let anybody in and let, let anybody out for a couple of months until they figure out what's going on. Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army radio military analyst. I appreciate taking the time to be with us. We've got more to get to. I'm Tony Katz. Astonishing to hear a president question whether our elections will be legitimate. We've heard it before, but not from this president. Is he really concerned that that we may not have fair and free elections? That's the Today Show. The Today Show... Kamala Harris appeared, the vice president appeared uh, this morning. The Today Show is like, you're questioning the legitimacy of elections? I mean, it was it was something else. Everybody is on this topic. Everybody is on this subject. What in the world happened yesterday? Let, it, let us at least go through what has happened. The administration is run by leftists, and leftists aren't interested in consensus. They're interested in the power grab. Different than Democrats, certainly than Obama's White House that you may most recently remember, where they were actually trying to run things. These are people who are motivated by hate, not because I say so, but because they say so. So this is a little bit of the back and forth between Savannah Guthrie and the vice president. Is he really concerned that that we may not have fair and free elections? The president has been consistent on this issue and the issue at hand, the issue I was there last night uh, in the chamber of the Senate. And the issue is that there are two bills, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act and the Freedom to Vote Act, that have been the, the solution that has been offered to address the fact that around our country, states have put in place laws that are purposely making it more difficult for the American people to vote. Laws which will be felt by at least 55 million Americans, regardless of their party affiliation, their race, their gender, or their geographic location. Well, to the point, though, because so those we bills were debated, and it's, but it's, yeah, the, the bills it's, were debated and they did not have. If, so I the, finish, the if, I, if I may course, finish, but the specific question, if you don't mind, does he think, now that these bills haven't been passed, that the 22 midterms won't be legitimate or fair or free? You interrupted the vice president. Isn't she the one who told Mike Pence, I'm speaking. I'm speaking. I'm sp- I'm speaking. I'm speaking. Uh, to watch, oh, Maya Rudolph do the impression and and do that routine is so great. Uh, but then again, I've got I've got all the I've got all the things for Maya Rudolph. Damn. Damn, I like her. I got an email um from someone and and, and I I appreciate these, you know. Hey, uh, thanks for being a bright spot in in the chaos of the insanity, and thank you for how you deliver the information. You say it in a way that I can't, and I appreciate it. Um, To an extent that that's part of the job, right? That's part of the job. 
I, th- those emails are growing and building where, where people are, they're just disgusted by what it is they're seeing and they're disgusted by the nonsense that's associated with it. They're tired of being called names for having a different point of view. And why won't anybody defend them? Why, why does CNN think it's okay to call them names? Why does MSNBC feel this way? Uh, I, I, I think that, that part of, of the job is, is making sure I'm sharing a conversation in a way that's honest. And if people uh, identify with that, then I feel like I'm doing it right. So when you send me an email like that, thanks. I hope I'm sharing a point of view that certainly is mine, but isn't mine alone. That's, I, I would say that is, that is a goal for sure. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today.